What's up, my confidence queens? Are you ready to feel confident as fuck? I'm your host, the confidence queen herself, Alicia Lechuga, and I am your confidence bestie. I went from trying to shrink my body in order to find happiness and approval to finally letting go of dieting, others' opinions, and inspiring hundreds of women along the way. This podcast is all about confidence, living unapologetically as yourself daily, and ultimate self-love. This is Confident as Fuck. Welcome back to Confident AF. I have an amazing guest on today who I am really, really excited for. Um, we have Rebecca and she's all the way from Israel. Is that right? Am I right about that? I'm like, yes, oh my God. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Rebecca actually hit me up to be on the podcast, which was, I told, let her know in the DMs that that was actually one of my goals when starting the podcast is to, for people to want to come onto the podcast. So um, I'm super excited that she's here today. I'm going to let her tell you all about herself. Um, and we'll get into everything. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so I'm happy so that excited. we just clicked right away in the DMS and yeah. I'm just honored to be here today. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I am super excited because I feel like not only like your career is something that a lot of people are going to resonate with and a lot of people are going to find very empowering, but you also have like a huge twist to that as well. Um, so I'm excited to get into all of that. And I think it's going to be a very, very powerful episode. I mean, uh, yes. body confidence and just women's confidence in general is like right up your alley. So I'm really excited to just dive in. So, yeah. um, we'll get into all the juicy details. Yes. Um, okay. So we're going to start with, like we always do, we're going to start with weekly win weekly fave. Um, and I already like prepped her. So she, <laughs> do you have a weekly win and weekly fave? If not, I actually would, am prepared this week. I'm usually like always making uh, my guests go first, but, um, do you have a weekly, uh, win or fave, whatever you want to start with? Well, I guess my win is that I survived the week because yes. my, <laughs> yes, right. My husband and my daughter, my youngest daughter both got COVID for the first time. Oh. And yeah, it was, it was not fun, (laughs) but thank God they're recovering. My daughter already is negative and I survived. So that is a win for sure. (laughs) Yeah. That's a huge win. My fave, I actually recently went on a trip to America for work and also for my sister's wedding. And whenever I go there, I always want to get makeup because it's not so, I mean, there is makeup here, but the kind of makeup that I like is usually there and it's more accessible and it's cheaper. Um, and I actually got the Tarte concealer Ooh, and I yeah. really love it. I love it so much. Is that the shape tape? Yeah. Oh, awesome. So that is really interesting that like you can't just get everything like the US. That's probably something that a lot of people didn't like don't think about when moving yeah. to a different country is like how accessible a lot of things are. Um, and that seem normal to us. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I moved here, I think it was like 13 years ago. Now it was much worse in terms of being able to get products and things like that. Now Amazon does ship here. Um, but not everything obviously, and not things over a certain weight. Um, mm. and there is a lot more stores and just, things available here now. Like, I just feel like it's a lot more comfortable to live here as, you know, an American or someone from a different country. Um, 
but it is still difficult. And they always add VAT on top of everything, which is like 17%. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting thing to navigate, but over the years, I also kind of just let it go. I'm like, okay, I have what I have here. And like, I don't even need all those other things. Right. But when I come back to America and I go to Target, I get culture shock all over again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's kind of like, um, when you said like, I don't need all of those other things. That's kind of interesting that you were talking about COVID too, because I feel like that happened with a lot of people during COVID right. Um, that people were like, Oh, like I actually, you know, we couldn't do so many things, right. We couldn't go to, um, you know, get our nails done here, like all these things that are like luxury. Right. And I think a lot of people noticed that after, you know, the first like, um, long way of COVID where they were like, well, I actually don't need to get my lashes done or I actually don't need this, or I don't want to continue doing that after COVID. So it's kind of, it was kind of, for sure. And I think it was a definitely a time of introspection for a lot of us. Um, so whether or not like you need to, you probably would think like, well, do I really want this or was I right. just doing it because everyone else was? Um, and I think that's really powerful because like, maybe you want to get your nails done all the time and it's not for anybody else, but maybe right. you're doing it for like, you know, to fit in. So it's, it's interesting to see all those things happen when we have a time like that in our yeah. history. Definitely. I think it was a huge reflection period for so many people. Yeah. Um, okay. My weekly win is actually the virtual recording. So I was like a little bit nervous to virtually record because there's a lot of moving parts, not only just with like recording a podcast in person, but then like adding, like getting on a zoom recording and figuring out how that's going to work. So like fingers crossed that everything's going to be working out fine with it, but we're here, we're doing it. It's the first virtual recording. So that's my win for the week. That's awesome. Thank you. And thank you for being my first person. Yay! Um, Probably the first of many and it will open a lot of doors. Yes. And I could not say no. So could not say no. So, (laughs) um, and then my weekly fave has been actually going like outside for like an hour a day just to even like work, clear my head. Um, you know, being like, uh, here in California, it's super sunny. It's nice outside all the time, but like, um, my work is on the computer or on my phone 90% of the time. So a lot of the time, um, before like this week, I would work up until, you know, four or five o'clock when I have to either go, um, out into the world to do whatever I need to do, or go to the, uh, gym to train clients, whatever. And I would feel like, oh my gosh, I never even like stepped foot outside all day today until now. Um, and I don't know wow. what day I feel like it was like maybe last week or I don't even know what prompted me to go outside, but I was like, you know what? I need to get like some fresh air. Like it's dark in here. It's like, um, I just need to like step away. And now I have made that like ever an everyday thing where I'll go outside. I'll spend like an hour out there. I'll either like eat my lunch outside or, um, uh, like do my social media time outside or like post whatever. Um, and it makes a huge difference. Like it, it sounds really like obvious when I say it out loud, but like being in the sunshine or just like breathing fresh air, it's like a huge difference in a mood boost. Yeah, absolutely. I think it can totally shift your energy. And it's, I think it's just because like you're around other things that are alive, right? Like plants and flowers and other people. And it really brings 
the vibration to a higher level. For sure. That's a good point too, because I'm in like a city, um, like a downtown area, but if I'm not interacting with anyone, you know, if I'm in here inside, right. Like can feel very like, like the city is kind of like shut off, but as soon as I go outside, there's a lot of movement. Like you said, a lot of people moving around all that. So yeah, I love that perspective. Yeah. Um, okay. We're going to get into it. I'm so excited. Um, so I want you to kind of give like a, um, kind of like a, what you basically told me in the DMS when I was like, okay, tell me a little bit about yourself, um, and what you do and why you do what you do. Um, because I think that's going to be the kind of like, um, kickoff to our combo and kind of getting into it. So Tell us about yourself. Awesome. Okay. So my name is Rebecca Sigala. I am a fine art boudoir photographer and body image coach for women. I've been doing boudoir photography for the last nine years and kind of naturally started to do coaching in the last few years for women. And it is totally my passion. And I think it's interesting. Like, why do I do what I do? Um, there's so many layers to that. Um, I think that when I first originally started doing boudoir photography and those who don't know what boudoir photography is, it's intimate photography for women. So it's like artistic photography that, um, is in my, in my definition of it, very empowering and intimate. Um, And I photograph women nude or in their lingerie and their images that they do for themselves or for their partner. Um, And it's really amazing. It's not models. It's just like everyday women, all different ages, all different backgrounds. Um, So that's what boudoir photography is. And yeah, I just, I started doing it because I just thought it would be fun. Like I was just like, okay, this sounds awesome. You know, women get to get away, get their hair and makeup done and like have a fun shoot and feel beautiful. Um, but then very shortly into my sessions, I think it must've been like the second session. Um, I was showing my client her pictures for the first time. And I just saw that like tears started to roll down her cheeks. And she said that she had never felt womanly until that day. And, I just, something just like hit me and I was like, this is so much more powerful than I even realized. Um, and that it can really be a tool to help women feel good about themselves, shift their perception of their bodies, um, affirm who they are, explore their identities. Like the list goes really on and on and on. And, um, so that combination of like the creativity and the meaningful purpose, it just really became my life's calling. And, um, I love like creating community through that and helping other women not feel alone in their struggles. So like I created a blog, um, that shares women's stories along with their boudoir sessions. So, you know, every single woman has a story and a struggle, um, may look very different. Um, but I think that it's so important for us to talk about those things if we're able to, um, because it helps other women not feel alone. And it also is very healing for us to share those things, be authentically ourselves. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Um, I think that there are deeper layers to that as well. Like growing up, I was, um, bullied for, from a really young age, like starting in kindergarten 
And I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, by the way. I don't think I said that. Um, <laughs> so not Israel. Um, yeah. <laughs> I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And um, yeah, I just remember um, feeling very isolated, very different, being made fun of a lot for being Jewish. I remember one thing that really stuck out to me is there's a few boys who would call me like a fat Jewish pig. Um yeah, really intense stuff. Wow. I mean, our house got egged and like TP'd oh all the time. And like, yeah, it was really intense. You know, I didn't really feel that way. I mean, growing up, it's like, okay, this is my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but then looking back and reflecting on that, it's just like, wow, I'm so sad that that little girl had to go through that. Um, and And so, yeah, I never felt good about my body or how I looked. I always felt like, different and not accepted. And, um, in middle school, I decided that I wanted to lose like weight. And I was like determined, you know, I wanted to prove everyone wrong. And I wanted to like walk in like hot girl makeover, whatever, you know, whatever dream I had <laughs> the in movies, my mind. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, she's all that, whatever. <laughs> and, and then, so I lost all this weight very quickly. I'm very sure that it was like disordered eating, looking back, um, and kind of continued through high school and even into my early adult years. Wait, did you um, have that moment that like makeover moment coming back to school or something? I did. I mean, people were shocked, like, oh my God, you're a different person. I remember that one of my bullies was like, like, what happened to you? You're too skinny now. Like that kind of thing. I know. Right. And that was also a moment for me of like, hmm, like, you know, you can't, they'll never be satisfied. Yeah. They'll never be satisfied. Like, why am I doing this to, you know, satisfy other people instead Mm -hmm. of like being happy within myself. Um, but you know, that was a thought and I still continued to, um, try to like, I guess, hustle, hustle for my worthiness and just never really feel like I was enough. And in high school started like hooking up with boys and drinking a lot and partying and just never like really finding myself and really never feeling good about who I was. Um, And in my later teenage years, I just decided that I wanted to explore my spirituality and my religion. And I ended up just like packing my bags and after high school, going to Israel for a year. Um, And that's where I met my husband. Um, And then we got married very young. I was 19 years old. And then we moved back to Israel together and began our lives. Um, So, you know, everything was kind of a whirlwind at that point. And at the age of 21, I had my first daughter, the age of 23, I had my son. And then after that, I was diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety, and also kind of realizing that those were things that I really had my whole life. It wasn't something that was just postpartum. Um, And I really hit rock bottom. Like I couldn't get out of bed. Um, I wasn't bathing my kids. Like it was rough. Um, And I went to a life coach because someone was like giving like free life coaching sessions or something like that. And she just looked at me and she's like, you know, you don't have to suffer like this. And that hit me. I was like, maybe you're right. Like I didn't really realize there was another option. Right. Yeah. And she drove me to the psychiatrist and that was my first, you know, I guess, interaction with like working on my mental health. And, 
um, started going on medication and ended up going to a really good therapist who I actually still go to today. Um, and then I began my own journey within um, and trying to figure out like, how can I, you know, be the happiest, most amazing version of me, right? So yeah. doing meditation and therapy and he- like energy healing and yoga and working out and just like really figuring out what works for me. Um, and that was really also around the time that I started my boudoir photography business. So it all went hand in hand. And I was like, okay, I'm on this healing journey. Like, let's do this together. And I would like anything I learned, I would share with my clients and I was holding emotional space for them as well. And that really helped me see like, I wasn't alone in my own struggles or my own way that I see my body because every single woman that I photographed had something that they were insecure about or had a story or had, you know, like a struggle in their life. And I felt like I felt empowered by the fact that women could connect in that way and help each other feel supported and heal. Um, so, I mean, as you can see, there's so many layers. I yeah. Ask, I, but if you have any questions, <laughs> well, that's amazing. And what I, there's a few things that I hear, like when you're saying all of that, but one of them being that that all happened when you were younger, right? Like 23, right. 24. Right. And it took you, we, um, we're talking about this before we started recording, but, um, that's 10 years, almost a full 10 years from right now. Right. So that's the first thing that I really like heard is that like, okay, that's 10 years of like healing. Right. Mm. I think a lot of times when we're starting to dive into like this stuff, right. Like you were saying when someone's like, Hey, you don't have to like suffer like this. Right. And something starts like sparking that, feeling of like, okay, we can like start to heal these things in our, um, childhood. We can start to heal just in general, explore, uh, spirituality, all these things. Like we want it to be quick, right? Like quick. Mm. We want it to be like fast. We want to see the results. Otherwise, what are we doing? And it's hard work. So, but I'm sure just like I have felt too, is like, it takes a long time. Yes. But it also isn't just like one linear way. Like there's a lot of different, um, ups and downs along the way. There's a lot of times where, um, I've been talking about this on Instagram a lot, so it's on my mind, but there's a lot of times where it would be a lot easier for us to go back into those like, um, comfort zones, um, or the way that we've always done things. And so I think, um, that's sometimes we sometimes we feel like we're back at square one when we're really not because like something triggers us. Like we feel like we reacted in a similar way that we would have in the past. Right. Um, But nothing, I always tell people like nothing's ever lost. Like you can't just like go back to who you were 10 years ago. It's impossible. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Everything is like um, shifting and changing and moving for a reason. And sometimes those things come back up so that we can go even deeper and learn something else about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. It's like sometimes, you know, like you said, like taking a step back is, um, or revisiting something is because maybe we haven't fully like healed it all the way and we're, you know, revisiting it again and healing it in like a, um, in a, in a deeper way, like, like you said, like there's levels to everything or layers, excuse me, to everything. So like, there's another layer on top of that healing as well that you may not have even yeah. like touched yet. So yeah, wow. for sure. 
that is, um, there's so many things I like want to dive into, but, um, (laughs) first of all, going from, um, like us and then going to Israel. And you said that you went to Israel just to explore like your, your, um, religion, your spirituality. Mm -hmm. Um, so what was that like doing that at like, probably what, like 18 you said or 18. Yeah. I mean, I think I was like, I was kind of like a seeker, like wanted to find the answers, wanted to know the truth, quote unquote, Mm. which is like, I don't know, like (laughs) looking back, I'm like everything, like everything is in the gray area, like nothing's black and white anymore. Right. Um, and I, I actually ended up going to like, it's called like a seminary for women. Mm -hmm. Um, and we learned Torah, like very, I don't know about intensely, but like every day and in depth. And it was amazing in a lot of ways. Um, And in other ways, I think it really like pushed me to become more religious, like very quickly. Hmm. Um, And, and I don't know, I think, I think it was just like me really wanting the answer. Like, how can I be happy? How can I live a fulfilling life? Like, Hmm. and, and with all this trauma that I experienced in my childhood, like, I think that really pushed me to want to do something that I thought was just right. Like, you know, it's kind of like nice if someone tells you what to do, right? Yeah, very true. Um, Yeah. And so I, even though it's not easy to be religious, but that is one aspect of like, okay, so like, if this is the right thing to do, even if it's hard, I'm going to do it and that's it. Um, And then I think that kind of like, around my breakdown time, like a few years later, I was just like, you know what, like, this is not really fitting this religious lifestyle doesn't really fit into exactly what I want for my life. It doesn't really feel like authentically me. And I started to shift things, um, which is a really big deal, especially because like, you know, I live in, I still live in a religious community, um, in Israel and the religious community is very, um, strong and connected and wonderful in a lot of ways, but also there is a lot of pressure to like, you know, be a certain way and to fit into a certain kind of box. Um, and so it was like, I was covering my hair, even, um, religious Jewish women, a lot of them decide to cover their hair. It's, um, a custom (laughs) and, and, um, so when I got married, I covered my hair. It was like this big, crazy, like, cool scarves and whatever. And then at that point I was like, you know what, like this doesn't really feel like me. And I actually uncovered my hair. So that was like a big deal because then that's something visually that everybody sees and they're like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? How are you feeling? Like, I don't even recognize you, you know, and everyone's like so interconnected. Right. Um, so that was like, yeah, I don't know. I think like alongside my healing journey was also my spiritual journey and just really finding, Um, what works for me and my relationship with God versus what everybody else expects of me. Yeah. That's huge. Like breaking away from what you've like always been told is correct or what your parents, you know, pushed us to do. Um, and not that that's bad or anything, but finding that, like you said, for yourself, I think that's like a huge, like coming of age, um, feeling when you were talking about your religious community that you still live in, um, Mm -hmm. how does that like being in that religious community and then working in boudoir photo, how does, how do those two, like, how do they mix? Like (laughs) break that down. So everyone, everyone always asks me and they're so shocked that like, I have this photography studio 
in this religious community. But firstly, just as a side note, it is a modern Orthodox community. And that means that like, um, it's not an ultra Orthodox community. Um, so it's not like isolated or like, you know, a lot of like ultra Orthodox Jews might like have even more insular communities or like not like really be online as much, not really like, you know, have as much contact with the outside world. Whereas like a modern Orthodox community is like, I don't know, very normal, very like, you know, modern, I guess. Okay. Um, but, but at the same time, there still are certain structural things and certain rules and whatever, but people, whenever they hear that I have a studio here or they hear about what I do, everyone's like so interested. so surprised. Like, Oh my gosh, you photograph religious women. And the truth is, is that I think because of the circles that I started in, I would say the majority of women are religious to some level. Um, so it'd be like 60 to 70% of women are of my clients are religious. Um, and it's not like as I guess sensationalized as it could be. There was actually like an article that was written about me in the guardian and it was like totally sensationalized in a way like these mm. religious women are doing and they're doing it for their husbands and blah, blah, blah. And then like, the truth is, is that we're not so different than each other. We're all women. Right. We want to feel beautiful. We want to feel seen. We're all sexual beings. Um, the difference is with a religious woman is that that sexuality is usually kept within like their marriage and in their bedroom. Um, but it is actually very much um, encouraged in the Jewish religion that that's something that is like fostered and is supposed to be like a healthy aspect of your relationship. Right. right. So like, um, sex but is it's not just like private. banned. It's just mm-hmm. not really as like on display. Yeah. It's um, just private. It's supposed right. to be holy. It's supposed to be like with your, your partner, partner. Right. So I did in the beginning get a lot of calls, like, what are you doing? This is wrong. Why are you putting these pictures online? Like, is this supposed mm, to be private? Like that kind of thing, you know? Um, but I just, I don't know. I, it was like the sense of like, I know this is important and I know it's also important to share it and not just like hide that I'm doing it. Um, and, and so just, I continued it and I have a lot of support from many people in the religious community over the years and photographed lots of rabbis, wives and very religious people, ultra Orthodox Jews. Um, and, it's pretty amazing, you know, and I really don't feel like I said, I really feel like there's so much more in common than we have differences. Um, but it is nice to be able to give women who don't normally have that self-expression outwardly, that right. space and that safe environment to do so. That was going to be my next question too, was going to say, I was going to ask like, um, since you're not more or not you, but anyone you photograph, um, isn't more like outwardly expressive of, um, sexuality or sexiness. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess like, how does that feel for you as a photographer and for them to like express it with someone else in the room? That's not like their sexual Mm -hmm. partner. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I, I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, is there really a difference between someone who doesn't do that outwardly or it's not as religious and it's not really so much of a difference. Like, I don't know how you feel about like going into a boudoir shoot, but I think like any woman has some kind of concern or it's a little bit outside of their comfort zone. Right. You know, um, a lot of women tell me that they've never changed in front of their friends and they're a really private kind of person. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't really necessarily have to do with religious levels. Right. Um, 
So I do have like a whole process leading up to the boudoir sessions. Um, I have a coaching call that's included in every session, which is a body image coaching call. And we kind of talk about what it was like for them growing up, what messages they got about their bodies, um, what things they're still holding on to and how they want to let certain limiting beliefs go through this experience um, and getting really clear about like what this experience is for them and getting the most out of it. Um, so that's, I think very helpful for people to have that clear intention and, you know, have a deeper reason for wanting to do this. And then, um, and then also part of the consultation and coaching session is like talking about um, their sexuality, like how they want to express themselves, what kind of images do they like, what kind of lingerie do they like, and not necessarily to fit into a mold or into like a magazine cover, but like, mm-hmm. actually, what do they like? What makes them feel good? Um, you know, for instance, like, one of my clients recently said, you know, I, I got this gorgeous lingerie, and I realized like, my, um, my pubic hair is sticking out of the sides, and like, should I shave it? And I go, do you normally shave it? And she's like, no, but I just feel like this looks so weird. And I'm like, it looks weird to you because you see magazines, you see the Mm -hmm. media, like, this is what you've always known to be like sexy according to like society's rules. Right. I'm like, but there's nothing wrong with that. Like I would say, leave it because that's going to be so weird for you later to look back on and be like, Oh, actually I never shave. I never wax. Right. Um, so to really come authentically as themselves, um, and help having the guidance of, of mine, like coaching them through it, I think really, really helps so that when they actually arrive at the session, it's not just like, okay, take your clothes off. It's like, we've already come to a certain point in their journey together. That's so awesome. I didn't even like, I, I don't, (laughs) I don't know why I never even like would think about that, but that's like. (laughs) super, super helpful because photo shoots just in general, if you've never done one, it can be like super intimidating and you're, you know, you're giving the camera to someone else to take your picture. You have no control. You can't even see them really right then. You know, you have to see them later. You know, it's like in a world where we can like just instantly, you know, see ourselves and take all of our own photos with our self timer and everything like that. Like it, it's hard, I think, to give up that control and then add the layer on top of it that you're like in lingerie and you're like posing like in a very like sexy way. I think you just, in my eyes, it kind of like totally flipped the narrative from like a negative kind of like scary, um, kind of like never done this before type of thing to like a very comfortable, comforting, like exciting um, experience. I love that, that switch. Thanks. And I, even if it is outside of your comfort zone, still, even with that guidance, I think a lot of women, one of their main reasons for doing the session is because it's outside of their comfort zone. So I like to remind them of that because I think that that's where the most growth can really occur. I mean, and I don't say like outside of your comfort zone in a place where you're not safe or like a Mm -hmm. bad decision that you're making, but like knowing that you're in a safe private space with someone who um, is focused on you, wants to help you um, where it's like a growth oriented experience, then like there's, there's nothing to lose. Right. Right, Um, and that no matter what, at the end of the day, you're going to come out of this experience, learning something about yourself. Um, so it's not holding on to like, um, 
this shoot needs to be perfect, or I have to love every single picture, or, you know, what if I don't like my body or whatever it may be, whatever concerns people have, what if I can't get comfortable? It's kind of like this process of, like you said, like really letting go of the control um, and trusting yourself and trusting the process. Yeah, that's very true. I think something else that you um, touched on too was like expectations and like, like you said, like liking every photo, I started to realize that when I started, I only started doing like photo shoots when I started my business. And, um, yeah, on the first photo shoot, I had so many expectations, like, oh my God, I'm going to get this photo and that photo, and it's going to look this way and that way. And that's only like natural, but like you said, like kind of letting go of like the expectation that I'm going to like every single photo, like there's no there's no way I'm going to like every photo that she takes. (laughs) And that's something that helped me when my photographer, uh, offered me to do monthly sessions with her for, you know, the first, like, yeah, it was, it was perfect. And I think I only did it for three or four months. I can't remember now, but um, there's really only, especially for business kind of shoots. Like that's, I think it's very helpful to do like frequent shoots because there's only so much you can do in one shoot. Like right. there's a certain energy of the day. Yes. Even if you're changing like clothing, you're still having some energy. Makeup. Mm-hmm. Like it's really the energy, right? You know, yeah, it's um, exhausting. And you gotta switch things up. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, that was super helpful, but it also ha- helped me like let go of those expectations because I was like, okay, well, like you know, maybe whatever I got today, like I'm going to like it. Yes. But I can also like change it. I can also like learn from it. And I have, you know, I know I already have three more photo shoots. So like the expectation was way less. Um, so if you could kind of like, if we can translate that even without having multiple photo shoots, right. But translate that, um, let letting go of expectations, like that's super powerful. For sure. And I also, I do want people to kind of like put their trust in my hands because I'm like, okay, yeah, you've been to like a wedding and a a portrait, like a photographer took a picture of you, um, or, you know, your husband took a picture of you on your phone and you didn't like it. And then you say, I'm not photogenic and Mm. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I'm a professional photographer. I've been doing this for nine years. Um, and it's not just, I'm a professional photographer and I just do like random things. Like I am a woman's Right. Boudoir portrait photographer. And this entire session is about bringing out the beauty in you. And that's, you know, I'm going to pose you and put you in the right light. And like, I have a lot of experience with different body types. And like, at the end of the day, like, okay, I don't want them to have the expectation that they're going to like every photo, but I want them to know that they're going to like it more than just like, you know, a random. Right a random shoot because this is something that is so specialized and so focused on them and their inner and outer journey. What would you say is like the biggest tip that you could give someone who, unfortunately, uh, this is the only thing that's sucky about this, um, about this is that unfortunately probably people are not going to be able, people in the U S are not going to really be able to work with you unless you come to the U S again. Um, yeah, well, I do actually, I come okay. Okay, good. usually yearly, um, okay, this good. year I came twice. Um, I went to like New York and we went to Florida and I'm like very open to going to other places as well. I brought my makeup artist with me, which is like, oh, awesome. so much fun. Like she's amazing and so talented. Um, so yeah, I am open. Like if you 
if you're listening to this and you do want to work with me, definitely reach out and tell yeah, me. Yeah. Once talk. I, when I posted, um, I had a few people like, Oh, I've been looking for somebody like, um, can you send over her info or whatever? But, um, so if you are listening, I think follow her, first of all, have all her information linked down below for you guys. Um, but follow her, um, hit her up if you want to, um, shoot with her and maybe that can like be set up. Um, but what tips would you give to someone who's doing like a boudoir photo shoot or any photo shoot? What's like your number one, um, or maybe two tips on like feeling your most confident and, um, kind of like letting go of the nerves day of in Mm -hmm. session. So I think it's really important to actually envision and like plan the shoot as much as at the end of the day, you're letting go of all of that and letting go of the expectations. Um, I think that if you kind of treat it as like, Oh, I'll just show up and it'll be great. Like, okay, that is, that is a certain, that is a certain thing. And if that's like your way to do it, great. Um, but I think that a lot of women really benefit from like envisioning their shoot and planning out their outfits and, um, starting to, I mean, what I work on with my clients leading up to their session is actually like self-care goals or things that they want to start working on. Because I think that the initial reaction for most women in our society today is like, I'm doing a photo shoot. I need to lose weight. Mm -hmm. That's like the first thing people think of. Um, and so I'm like, okay, let's shift that energy to like taking care of yourself for the sake of, you know, just self-care and coming from a place of love versus like, I need to change my body or I need to change myself. Um, because at the end of the day, a lot of women also like, I mean, I don't believe that any woman needs to lose weight for a boudoir shoot. I believe, and I see that all women in all shapes and sizes are are beautiful and healthy and incredible exactly the way they are. Um, I also understand that not everybody is in that place. Um, but, but I want to, I want to show people that like they can and they should come to this session as they are, as their authentic selves. And a lot of times when women decide like, oh, I want to lose weight, it doesn't necessarily like come to fruition. And then they're disappointed in themselves. And then they're even more scared to enter the photo shoot because they're like uh, hard on themselves, critical of like their process versus just like, actually, I'm going to just like come to it exactly as I am. And not saying I'm going to just not take care of myself leading up to it, but, um, putting that energy into like, okay, do I want to have a morning routine? Do I want to start exercising more? Do I want to spend more time outside or start doing five minutes of meditation a day? Um, really cultivating that relationship with your body and relationship with yourself leading up to the session, I think is very much a, incredible way to, um, feel more confident in yourselves and feel more confident in the shoot. So yeah, just like planning it, everything out, envisioning it, um, making sure, you know, you pack your bag and you have everything you need. You eat a light breakfast. You don't starve yourself. You hydrate yourself. Like I have like a whole preparation guide for my clients because I think all these things are really, really important. And I even put like drink two liters of water a day, like you know, I think all of those things really contribute to the success of, um, the session. So, so I would say that I would say self-care, um, and like awareness and self-care. Um, and then, 
letting go (laughs) completely of it all. I love how, like how much prep you put into the before, because I think that's huge. And the, the prep is like you said, like focused, not on like, it's the same how you were doing with like envisioning the session. Like you took it from like a negative scary to like switch it to a positive same with the preparation, like the negative could, or probably for most people would be, um, you know, dieting, losing, losing weight or changing their body in some way to prepare for the shoot versus like, like you're saying, like drink water, make sure you're hydrated. Like all those things are positive versus focusing on the negative. I love that so much. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Or just like feeling like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do and so Mm -hmm. much to prepare, um, versus like, this is an opportunity to explore my sexuality, the things that I like, like I'm going to start going, you know, to lingerie shops and start to like explore what looks good on me. Maybe like it will even enhance my intimate life with my partner, you know, um, just being open to this as a learning experience and as a way to deepen your relationship with yourself. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, I think, yeah, we have a little bit of time. I kind of want to like touch on when you had your first two kids and you started to like, feel like, um, postpartum and you, you said, I realized that these were things that were here like all along. Um, Mm. and that it wasn't just postpartum that like brought them, um, it wasn't just postpartum, but maybe that postpartum kind of like ignited those feelings. Um, can you kind of touch on like, what made you connect those two dots of like, it's Mm. not just postpartum, it's more, it's deeper. It's like on a deeper level. And it's, um, it's been here for a long time. Like what made you connect those, those two? Um, I think probably a lot of the questions that the psychiatrist was asking me, like, you know, just like about how I was feeling and how I was showing up in my life. Um, he kind of like saw a situation that had happened like a year, like a six months before. And was like, it's a situational thing. It's not, you know, it's, it's postpartum. It's what just happened. It's all of this stuff together. Um, but then because of, you know, yeah, I think it was just the questions truly like, um, and seeing that like those, those things were present before. Um, and then, and then starting therapy, which was obviously like very in depth and, um, me becoming a lot more aware of like what has shaped me leading up to this point. Um, and yeah, I just feel like a lot of, yeah, a lot of self-awareness. Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> no, it does. Um, like self-awareness, basically getting like an outsider's opinion, right. Therapy. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I think the biggest one that you said was like being like the questions they're asking and realizing like, it's not just situational to yeah. like, this defined moment. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's huge. Cause I think that can be really hard to like admit or, um, mm-hmm. like for us to acknowledge that it's been there for yeah. a long time. So yeah. And I, I think that, you know, most people are like, just like living their life a lot of times on autopilot. Um, and they're just like, well, I'm fine. I'm happy. I have this, I have that, you know, but there has been trauma that they've gone through or, you know, difficult feelings that they have that they like keep pushing down and pushing down and pushing down. And then you can't do that forever. And whether it's having a child or something else happening in your life, like those things can really like 
push you to a place where like, you really do need to get help. So like, you know, as much as that wasn't a lovely, amazing time in my life, I'm really glad that it happened because otherwise I wouldn't have gotten the help that I needed. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's really amazing to see you like not only acknowledge that. And then, like you said, like get help and, um, be vulnerable to do that, but then like make something beautiful out of it, you know, 10 years later, I mean, and now you're helping, uh, you know, hundreds of other women just get help in a different way. Right. Like, and help yeah. them in a different way. And I love seeing that. Um, Thank you. what was, I think, feel like, what was the hardest part of, of doing that of like, um, giving up? I mean, did you spend time like in a, um, like a separate place from your husband and your kids for a while to go through therapy or was this like therapy? No, it wasn't like a treatment center. Okay. Like okay. That. Um, but it was just like unrelentless commitment to it. I think, um, even during times when like we really were fi- financially struggling, I was mm. just like, okay, like this is also just as important as paying our grocery bill right. or our rent. Like I needed it in order to stay above water. Like I just, at some point realized that, you know, um, and, and so, yeah, so yeah, I was with them. And then what was the other question? That you had? Oh, I was just going to say, what was like the, um, what was the hardest part of, of doing that? Like, of, like you said, like continuing to go to therapy, even when things were, um, not ideal and keep working mm. on that. Cause like we t- kind of touched on in the beginning, like it's over a long period of time. And you were saying that you still go to the same therapist. Um, yeah. and that it's very know, slow. <laughs> yeah. It's a long time that these things, um, yeah. you know, develop. So what do you feel like was the hard, like what kept you going through that? And what was the hardest mm. part or Yeah. I mean, I think the hardest part was the days that were hard. Like, you know, the times that like, I still really felt shitty and I really felt like I couldn't wash the dishes or like, you know, be a productive human being in the way that I want it to be or show up fully for other people or my friends and things like that. Um, my kids, of course. Um, so seeing how it affected other people or affected my household, like everything was just messy and out of control or whatever it is. Like those were like the really hard times. And like, the truth is, is that, uh, because anxiety and depression is something that I struggled with then it is still something that I struggle with now. So it's the difference now is that like, I feel like I can shift out of them much more quickly. I'm able to like process my emotions much better and, learn how to like regulate my nervous system and move out of them. But it doesn't mean that I don't have downs. There are times that I'll be down for like a couple of days. Like, you know, if it's really bad a couple of weeks, but it's not anything like I experienced before generally. Um, So I think that, yeah, that that's the hardest part is just feeling like, okay, this is never going to (laughs) end on some level and I have to accept it. Yeah. I think that's like, I love hearing that. I mean, that's like, this always happens. I feel like on podcasts, but people are always like whatever energy I've, I've been feeling for the last like week, it comes through on the podcast somehow. Um, but that's That's so cool. It's really exactly what I was talking about the other day is like, um, like these things that we struggle with, like they don't go away or they don't get like fixed or like, they just, 
you know, are never bothersome to us again. Like they're always there. They're always like those old habits or whatever they are Yeah, easily. They want to pull us back in, um, or anxiety, you know, that's always there depression. It can always be there, but like you said, like it's just the way that you deal with it now. Right. And the way that you're Mm -hmm. able to recognize it so much quicker, you know, the way that you're able to move through it. Um, yeah, which is, is is really, it is really life-changing. Like, I mean, actually I, um, just finished with a coaching clients, um, and we worked together for a year and something we were talking about is those little tiny, small shifts, um, and the, the need to really be committed to the process and know that like, yes, maybe sometimes you'll see results like in a week or a month, but like generally like the big shifts are going to really happen over time. So yeah. she said, like, she came into, um, the coaching with me just really like surrendering herself to the process and understanding that these are little shifts that are going to happen. And then like, we would like have benchmarks, like three months, six months, a year. And she would look back and just be like, I'm a completely different person. Like, I don't, you know, I don't handle things the same way. I don't think about things the same way, you know? Um, and I think that's really powerful to like, also just have that self-awareness of like, okay, I like that, that you're like, what are your wins this week? You know? And I also do that in my coaching, like, what are your wins? Like celebrate every single win. Um, because it's so easy for our brains to be like critical of ourselves and to not acknowledge or give ourselves credit for the growth that we have accomplished. And, um, if we stick to it and if we're committed to the growth, um, it's not going to be easy, but you are going to be able to look back and be really proud of how far you've come. Yeah. I think that's like not only acknowledging the wins just because we can be critical, but, um, something my friend said this week, cause we actually kind of share wins, especially like on weeks that we're super busy. We're like, okay, like let's tell our wins because we know like, you know, it can be negative or we can feel like we're not getting everything done. Right. But she said, um, the other day that she was like, you know, I'm, I like that. Um, I pushed her that day because she was like, I don't really have any wins. And I was like, okay, come on, like, let's give them, <laughs> come on. Give them to me. And she was like, you know what? I th- thank you for pushing me because I do have some wins, but they've become normalized to me. So even small things like being able to pay my rent easily or, um, you know, getting up yeah. and going to the gym today or whatever, right. Like those things are normalized now. And so like you're saying, when we're looking back on our growth, it, those things become like normal, right? Like being able to like, um, being able to move through situations that once would cause us large anxiety or, um, would, you know, put us down for a week. Right. We start to, our brain is really good at, like you said, like normalizing those and making them mm-hmm. seem like we've always done that. Like we haven't mm-hmm. had any growth, right? It's the like mm-hmm. same saying of like, um, like you don't, you don't see how far you've come until you look back. Yeah. yeah. So I think I that's that a great a one too. With personal development, but like right. also when you were talking, it just reminded me of like money mindset, right? Of like, you know, people like who start making more and more and more money. And then they still feel like just as anxious as when they didn't have a lot of money because they haven't changed the way that they see money or the relationship with money. Um, so I think that really applies to everything. It does. It applies everywhere. You know, it's the same with like, with 
um, physical progress. If we're like working out, right. And we think like, oh, I look the same, but you know, that's something that when I was like really heavy into training clients is taking photos because yeah, maybe your measurements didn't change. Maybe your weight didn't change, but like, look at the difference of these two people. Like they don't even look the same. And then that's actually how I got into like coaching. Coaching is like, even after doing the photos, right? Like let's check in like mentally and see like where you are. And then like, yeah, the whole thing is like, there's always, everything is always like moving, you know, there's always progress. There's always, um, there's always something changing. And so if we don't recognize it, then we're missing out on like a lot of stuff that we could learn about ourselves and, you know, and even use those things to move forward and have them as our motivation to continue what we're already doing. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of, um, a lot of celebration, like, which is, um, important for us to do is to celebrate ourselves. So, yeah it's so easy not to as well. Like, I feel like I still never like had a party for when I opened my, my photography studio last year. And I kept being like, I'm going to get my friends together. We're yeah. going to like have a beautiful, like a beautiful evening. Like we have to celebrate, like, this is huge. It's incredible. And then it's just so easy to like, okay, I gotta, like, I gotta keep going. I gotta right. like, you know, work, I gotta whatever. And it just, it didn't happen. Right. Um, so we intentionally have to make those moments happen. Yeah. No, now you have to do a one year anniversary. Yeah. Okay. That's party. a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like those things are so hard to, um, to nail down when you're like in the midst of like building. Right. Um, yeah, but they're exactly. important. They're so important because those things are like huge. Right. And it's things that we normalize, um, because we're like, oh, well, I, I got to move on to the next thing or, you know, I'm, um, I'm still building, like I'm not where I want to be yet. So <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to celebrate. That's so true. That's so true. Like we didn't have like a sink, you know, for a while, then we finally got the sink built in, like, you know, and I was like, okay, well, when those go up, when the lights right. go up, when the curtains go up, like just if, if I just have this space, like just bring everyone there and like yeah. pop a bottle of champagne and like celebrate because it's amazing that I'm here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'd be really interested to know your, um, and you may know it, your human design. Mm, I think I'm a projector. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I was like, (laughs) yeah, it's just, oh, (laughs) it's very similar energy to, um, my husband. Oh, really? What, what is it like? Like, how would you describe it? Um, like you're kind of the, the, when you were talking about the studio, it's like, you don't want to celebrate until it's like done. Yeah. Or until it's a certain way, he's very much like that. Whereas I right. want to celebrate, like I want to celebrate so often, like even little small That's things. Amazing. That's um, amazing. That's it's, my it's like perfectionist. Good... My, I always say that I'm a recovering per- perfectionist, and I think sometimes I slide back into it. So. Yeah, yeah, it's easy. I mean, and and especially when it's like something that you've worked really hard for, and like you, yeah, um, you know, you want it to, you have an, a vision of how it looks, right? Like, of course, yeah. yes, you, it's like there's times where like that actually works so much in his favor and probably in your favor as well where, you know, you wait and hold off. Whereas me, I'm just like, Oh, let's just do it now. But yeah. Um, that's amazing. I feel like there's so many projectors or, uh, since I've learned about human design, I feel like there's so many projectors around me. So it must be something of like, um, 
kind of like opposites, not total opposites, but like what I heard about it was like also about like conserving energy that like, only having a certain amount of energy for things Mm -hmm. and needing to be really mindful of that. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's for sure. Me, which, which one are you? Um, I mean, I don't know anything about them, but I'm a generator. So, um, that's like the opposite of a projector where we're like, <laughs> go, 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 go. All yeah. The time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when, a, with a projector, um, you are, you don't have, I guess the way that Jenna described it, which I have a podcast on it. If you want to listen, um, I'd love to. she described it as a projector. Um, the way that you like receive energy, um, is only from yourself. So you're not like, so it's closed or open is like how they, um, say it. So your energy sources are closed. I'm like, I hope Jenna is not listening to this and she's like, no, <laughs> but, um, you're messing this all up. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's what she, I'm pretty sure that's the concept is like, you, you are getting all your energy from within. So you have to conserve mm. it. You can't pull from outside sources. Yeah. Um, whereas like, other people, other, um, different types of human design, which I believe generator your, um, the way that you receive, get energy is from other people as well. I think I'm like, man, this sounds and what, what's, opposite. Um, what's your sign? Like your uh, I'm a Libra. Oh, nice. So, and yours Taurus Taurus. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, her episode is really, really good because it goes very in depth because it's very in depth. Um, all this like human design stuff, but just like we were saying, like it can, um, translate to anything. I'm also learning about the archetypes or archetypes. It really follows. It's very close to human design and human design. And those both remind me of like astrology. Like it's all kind of like interconnected. Yeah. And it can like be very, way of... it can be very affirming mm-hmm. of, yeah. you know, and empowering to just yeah. be like, Oh, okay. This is the way I am. And I'm going to use it to my benefit, you know, yes. or like, you know, it doesn't need to be like, this is exactly who I am. And right. Let it, you could use it to hold you back or you could use it to let it propel you forward. Right. That's exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what Jenna's whole, like, um, business is based on is like using your human design to, um, to empower you. Yeah. And to, like you said, like affirm you and say like, Oh, okay. This is why I'm feeling tired or this is why I can't keep up. Um, or this is why I feel go, go, go. And I like, for me, um, I push myself, you know, like I keep going because I feel like I have the energy, but then a lot of times I'll hit a wall. So yeah, yeah. Learning those things that about makes sense. can be like super yeah. powerful instead of being like, why am I so tired? Or why do I do this? Right. Why am I so different than other people? Just like, right. Oh, okay. This is who I am. And like, I got to figure out how to structure my life in a way that works for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cool. Um, okay. I feel like I'm, I'm, I could talk to you forever just because <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I feel like we have so like many things in common. Um, yeah. but I want to kind of like connection. <laughs> I want to kind of like wrap it up so that we don't go over. Um, and then I feel like we need to have you back on to dive into more, more things. I would love Um, that. But, um, yeah. So tell everyone like what, where they can like find you, um, Mm -hmm. 
like online, your blog, um, everything, like where they can find you, how they can connect. So I think these days I'm mostly hanging out on Instagram. I love Instagram. It's Rebecca Sigala Boudoir. And I'm sure you'll put a link. Yeah, I'll have a link. Awesome. And my website is RebeccaSigala.com. And I have my blog there and portfolio and all of that. Um, And then on Facebook, I also have like a community of a few thousand women. Um, and it's really awesome because that is a place where people can really have meaningful conversations about feminism, body positivity, diet culture, like all of these things that we don't necessarily get the platforms to talk about it on and, um, be really open. And it's like a really great non-judgmental place. So if you're interested in that, then I'll also send the link there. Perfect. Yeah. And I'll have that linked for you guys down below as well. So yay. Um, yay. I love this. I am like so happy. I feel like this is just like, it's just so in line. And that's exactly what you like messaged me that, Hey, I feel like yeah, we're like I mean, really going to be in the same line. I mean, I started looking at some of your stuff and like, I loved your content, but I think even more so it was just like the energy of like how you were, um, coming across and like confident AF, right. You know, it was like, <laughs> it just like felt, it felt it felt authentic as well, which is really important to me. So I I love to hear that. that. I love to hear that. So, um, thank you so much for being on. Um, I'm going to have everything, like I said, linked down below for you guys, you guys go check her out. And, um, until next week, don't forget to let your confidence shine. (laughs) 